Welcome to the Arlington Street Church Podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Come, sit with me in one of those old-fashioned 1950s diners the type of place where a cup of coffee is still just a dollar. You can linger over its warmth late into the evening as you reflect upon your day. Perhaps it's a little run down, but it's well-loved by the regulars. Folk singer Carrie Newcomer paints such a picture in her song, Betty's Diner. In it, we meet people who have come to the diner for food and fellowship each of whom has a unique story to share. Arthur, a grieving widower, could tell us much of love and loss. Jack was the first in his family to go to college and is beginning to discover his love for Emma, who's not at all afraid to show him how she feels. Veda, a recovering alcoholic, sits with her friend Mike, a Vietnam veteran, Sharing a quiet moment, they give thanks for the day and another storm weathered. Each has an inner strength that they share with the other, learning, growing, and supporting one another. Over this whole scene presides Miranda, the waitress, herself no stranger to heartache and perseverance. In the chorus, Newcomer sings of the beauty found between and amongst the diner's patrons. Here we are, all in one place, the wants and the wounds of the human race. Despair and hope sit face to face when you come in from the cold. Let her fill your cup with something kind, eggs and toast like bread and wine. She's heard it all, so she don't mind. I'd say Betty's Diner sounds like a cozy, welcoming place to sit a while in good company. Brene Brown has spent over a decade studying vulnerability and worthiness. In her research and in her life, she has found that if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and share our whole selves with one another, we increase our capacity for love and connection. She writes, The root of the word courage is cur, the Latin word for heart. In one of its earliest forms, courage meant to speak one's mind by telling all of one's heart, to actually speak honestly and openly about who we are and our experiences, good and bad. Vulnerability is not a weakness, nor is it optional. Our only choice is a question of engagement. Our willingness to own and engage with our own vulnerability determines the depth of our courage and the clarity of our purpose. Brown concludes, we cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known, and when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offer with trust, respect, kindness, and affection. 
Love is not something we give or get. It's something we nurture. Let's hold this idea that love is nurtured by shared vulnerability in the back of our minds for a moment while we consider what it is that we do together at church. As a faith community, we come to know one another in many ways. We share a pew in worship. We are witness to one another's highs and lows during candles of sorrow and joy. We reflect on our lives together in connections, small groups. When we come together, we come with our whole selves, no more, no less. In church, we make space for our own vulnerability and the vulnerability of our companions. We bring our brokenness and share it in community, and we find that we are okay after all. As Brown says, through relationship, we come to know ourselves as whole and valuable. We grow through our work together, as well as those times set, up, set apart specifically for spiritual connection. As members of this community, we serve together on committees, work for social justice, teach our children, and sing in the choir. We keep our church running while growing together in relationship. We meet one another in all of our complexity, revealing both our successes and our shortcomings. With each step, we come to know each other more fully. We support one another, forgive one another, and begin again together. Relationship is how we live out our Unitarian Universalist conviction that every person has inherent worth and dignity. The connections we share, the vulnerability we show, the space we shape together, all are holy. At church, we set a table for each other and feast together, companions on our life journeys. Carrie Newcomer sings, you never know who will be your witness. You never know who grants forgiveness. Look to heaven or sit with us. We care for one another because we belong to one another. Yet, we also belong to our wider communities, to our society, and to our world at large. Over 50 years ago, A. Powell Davies, prophetic minister of All Souls Church in Washington, D.C., posed a question that remains fresh today. He asks, Do you belong to a religion that says humankind is not divided except by ignorance and prejudice and hate? the religion that proclaims an end to all exclusions and declares a brotherhood and sisterhood unbounded. If so, do not congratulate yourself. Stop long enough to recollect the miseries of the world in which you live, the fearful, fearful cruelties, the enmities, the hate, the bitter prejudices, the need in such a world for such a faith. If you can still say that this faith of brotherhood and sisterhood is your faith, then ask yourself this question. What are you doing with it? What are we doing with it? Davies reminds us that it is not enough to stay within the warmth of our churches. 
we must step outside and bear witness to the world as it is while working towards the world that we envision. A world where we recognize our interdependence and shared humanity, where all people are truly welcomed, fed, and loved. Right now, we know that our world does not welcome everyone. Right now, our world is in sore need of healing. I think of the deaths of black men and youths at the hands of police that have made the news in recent weeks. Eric Garner, an asthmatic, died while police restrained him in a chokehold in New York on July 17th. John Crawford III was shot and killed by police in a Walmart near my own hometown of Beaver Creek, Ohio on August 5th. Another shopper had called the police when she saw him carrying a toy gun that he had picked up off of the shelves of the store. The police seemed to have opened fire without giving him a chance to explain or demonstrate that he was only carrying a toy. Michael Brown, an unarmed youth about to begin college, was shot and killed by police in Ferguson, Missouri last Saturday. When the people of Ferguson rallied to demand answers and accountability, they were met with a disproportionate police presence. Unprovoked, police in riot gear fired tear gas and rubber bullets into the crowd. By Wednesday night, there were heavily armored vehicles, snipers aimed at nonviolent protesters, and the media had been largely suppressed. Police arrested citizens, journalists, and elected officials alike. Tensions eased when the state police took over and scaled down their response to the protests, but escalated again late Friday night and yesterday. The community is still reeling. Their questions are still unanswered. And the deaths continue. Two days after Brown was shot, Ezel Ford, a mentally challenged man in Los Angeles, was shot and killed while police had him lying on the sidewalk after stopping him from walking down the street. Eric Garner, John Crawford, Michael Brown, Ezel Ford, presente. A recent study found that in 2012, 313 black people were killed by police, security guards, and self-appointed law officers. That's one death every 28 hours. Most of the time, the victim was unarmed. White police are routinely using ex excessive force against black citizens, resulting in many unjustified and unconstitutional deaths. How are we to respond? What are we doing with our faith? This injustice, these deaths, are very painful. We may be heartsick or angry. We may be shocked or numb. Because of how race and, to a lesser extent, other social factors play out in our lives, some of us have the option to turn away and may be tempted to remain on the sidelines while others may feel like we have no escape. No matter who we are, it's easy to become overwhelmed or feel helpless in the face of systemic injustice. 
To respond well, we need to ground ourselves in community. We can start by being open and vulnerable enough to share our honest reactions. In relationship, we accept where we are and decide where to go next. In community, we nourish one another and find the strength to fight back. We draw one another out of helplessness and into action. As a people of faith, we respond together to our wider world. In the face of racial injustice and increased police militarization, we can take concrete steps to make a difference. We can continue the work we already do. Right here at ASC, we can participate in this fall's multiculturalism and anti-racism workshops. We can work in coalition with other people of faith and community-based organizations. Those of us who are white can educate ourselves by looking to black leaders and by listening to our friends and fellow congregants who are people of color. We can all learn more about the history of race in our neighborhoods, city, and country. We can share our knowledge to raise awareness where it is lacking. We can show up for rallies, speak up when we see injustice, donate our time or money to organizations that are working for change. There are many ways to do this work. Rebecca Parker reminds us, your gifts, whatever you discover them to be, can be used to bless or curse the world. The mind's power, the strength of the hands, the reaches of the heart, the gift of speaking, listening, imagining, seeing, waiting. Any of these can serve to feed the hungry, bind up wounds, welcome the stranger, praise what is sacred, do the work of justice, or offer love. Any of these can draw down the prison door, hoard bread, abandon the poor, obscure what is holy, comply with injustice, or withhold love. You must answer this question. What will you do with your gifts? Choose to bless the world. She continues, while there is injustice, anesthetization, or evil, there moves a holy disturbance, a benevolent rage, a revolutionary love, protesting, urging, insisting that which is sacred will not be defiled. Those who bless the world live their life as a gesture of thanks for this beauty and this rage. The choice to bless the world can take you into solitude to search for the sources of power and grace. More, the choice will draw you into community. Parker concludes, none of us alone can save the world. Together, that is another possibility waiting. What are we to do with our faith? What are we doing with our faith? We must choose to bless the world. Because we recognize our interdependence with all people, we value each person's life and work for a world that does the same. As Colonel West famously said, justice is what love looks like in public. As Unitarian Universalists, we are called by our love for our neighbors and our recognition that each person is sacred 
to make that love come alive in our wider world. The words of Betty's diner ring true not just in our church, but in our world as well. Here we are, all in one big place, the wants and the wounds of the human race. Despair and hope sit face to face when you come in from the cold. Let us fill your cup with something kind, eggs and toast like bread and wine. We've heard it all, so we don't mind. Friends, may we always recognize our shared humanity. May we choose to bless the world and one another. May we create a church and a world in which all are welcome, where our wants and our wounds, our despair and our hope lead us evermore into real relationship. May we be the church of Betty's Diner within these walls and far beyond. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a donation by checking the mail or through our website.